This is the GPL Podcast, part of the Pull Tab Sports family. Oh boy. You making mistakes, I love it. And so, I had to train for this marathon. <laughs> Make sure you stay awake for the game tomorrow, too. <laughs> Let's get this bandwagon going, folks. Take Come that, on. Mr. Negative. <laughs> I think Bart must be watching upstairs. Rut row. Oh, <laughs> be awake for Thanksgiving tomorrow. Juke's roommate's worried. Juke's roommate's worried. Juke's <laughs> roommate. Now, here's Jupiter and Vigo. Good evening and welcome to the GPL podcast, episode number 256. Well, Beegs, I'm back in the country. I got back, got my emergency passport. I, they let me back in. And now you're saying if the Gophers lose this weekend, I have to go back to Dominican. What the hell? Will they take you back? <laughs> I don't know. You're not like Ogie Otorp when they Ogie. go back, they won't accept you again. Yeah. I don't think this thing has really many pages. I don't know. How, I know I can use it, but it's only got like a couple pages for stamps. So, okay. Well, we'll just send you back and forth, but hopefully we don't need to. Gophers played great this past weekend against Ohio State, mm-hmm. just as I predicted. Six points. You did. You did. They we, needed them. I, you know, I'm still, I'm still at this. Prove it to me. And it was Ohio State. They're still a terrible team. Terrible team in the league. Terrible record. And I think Steve Rolick is going through a tough time with this group. You know, he's brought in so many new players for that Ohio State roster. They just aren't feeling it. And you could sense it over the weekend, the frustration, bullying over, you know, Thiessen going after Snuggard at the end of the game and sticking him with one right right uh, in the middle of the chest to let him know he wasn't happy. Because maybe that's the last time he'll see him in a college game. Well, he might. I mean, they could easily play him in the playoffs here. They could. I mean, were you surprised there wasn't some supplementary uh, punishment there? I am a little surprised. You know, I had availability uh, this week. You know, Bob fielded a couple questions. Players fielded a couple questions <laughs> hey, about the incident. About and they all stayed away very carefully. Of course because they did. I haven't seen anything like that in a college game where someone goes right to the bench to try to settle a score. And I don't know how hard it was with the stick to the chest. Mm-hmm. You know, it could have just been like, hey, remember me. I'll remember you kind of thing. Or was it, hey, I'm going to jab you real hard real quick. So I don't really know. But it was a little little out there. Uh, Thiessen wasn't happy that he got the exploding shoulder from Snuggerud earlier in their period. And but was it a good hit? Was it illegal? Well, he, he wanted he wanted to go after him legally, and Snuggerud hit him back. And so sometimes that's that gray area. Sometimes officials maybe want to get involved and call an interference penalty on that stuff. But I thought it was fine. You said that's one thing I haven't liked about the NHL recently. Someone gets a good, clean, legal hit, and somebody goes after the guy. And I've I've never been a fan of that. I mean. It it, it never was that way in the past. Week. Someone gets a good hip check on you. You don't retaliate. You get up. You keep playing. You hit them back legally. We're in a it, weird spot of the game. It is. That's a good thing right there. We're a weird spot in the game. So we got a 5-2 victory Friday night, a 6-3 victory Saturday night. 
Tell me what's up with both of these games. What impressed you the most about both of these games? I think the thing that impressed me the most is we are seeing Minnesota buy in to making possession plays. You know, after the weekend, I asked Bob, you know, as a coach, are you happy to see your team not just try to score off the rush every time? You know, are you happy to see them pass up, just putting a puck on net and cycle it a little bit, put some pressure on the opponents and gain momentum? And he was like, that's all we're talking about in the locker room. He accused me of having a mic. You know, I've bugged the locker room so I can hear what they're giving in their pregame take. And I'm just like, no, I, I just can see it on the ice and I can hear a couple of his comments in the radio post game and in the post game with us. That's what he's trying to instill in this team. And so for this program to buy into that is really important because with Michigan State on the calendar here coming up, I checked out some of their games. They are not doing that kind of stuff. You know, they are in that fireway in hockey mode where they're trying to score all the time. Sometimes it's okay just to possess the puck for 60, 90 seconds and, and gain some momentum. I've got some thoughts about that that we'll, we'll talk about later with Michigan State. And uh, they do play fire wagon hockey, but uh, they're a little undisciplined. So it'll be interesting to see how Minnesota handles that this weekend. Um, I think the other I, thing I was happy yeah. with is we're seeing the continued growth of Renzel. You know, he's got 12 yes. assists since coming back from the World Juniors. And I don't know if I've seen any mistakes since he's come back either. That was the big thing with him in the first half. You know, he'd rush the puck and he'd get caught below the dots and he couldn't get back and there wouldn't be coverage. I haven't seen that so far in the second half. And I know the competition's going to get better here the next couple weekends. But so far, you know, he is not touching the stove. He's getting near the stove. But he knows where he can get to and where he should stay away from. And it's just showing in the points and in the score sheet. And he just seems really confident right now. And I think that's what Minnesota really needs for their second half to take off. Same thing with Pitlick. He's staying very consistent. He hasn't, I mean, since early in the season, yeah. But then he came on strong and he's he hasn't really dipped off. He's 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 scoring every weekend. He's not on this huge game streak streak he was. But he's scoring every weekend. He's causing havoc out there. I still wish he'd have a little better decisions on some of his offensive zone passing and where he's dropping or putting the puck. But that's the kind of play we needed to see out of him late last year. We didn't. So hopefully it stays this year. Pillick just seems more confident, a little bit heavier through contact. You know, I felt like earlier in his career, every time he got knocked by someone, he lost his balance he'd lose possession of the puck this year he's able to skate through that contact a little bit more effectively which is paying off and i really like the wrinkle we've seen lately with minnesota in their face-off plays and that's something that steve miller is introducing this team in the second half and they've got a couple goals off of those yeah. face-off plays and it's not just snuggerud it's pitlick at some points too mm -hmm. and i think that's really going to help this team down the stretch i asked bryce brodzinski about that he's just like yeah you know, the years I've been here before, we just focus on getting possession off face-offs. And now we're trying to be deceptive and create offense off those draws, and it's already paying off. And once you get to the end of the year, if you can get some goals off face-off plays, it's only going to help. I, I still think on the offensive side that this team will go as far as Nevers, Nelson, and Brodzinski bring them. Um. 
Obviously, Nevers didn't get a goal until Robert Morris. His assists were down. Brodzinski's kind of been all over the place. Nelson's, yeah. <laughs> that's just the exact kind of, eh, for a while. But I still think if they want to be successful and get back to a frozen four, that line needs to step it up and be consistent. You know, multiple, you know, they need to get a couple goals a weekend, at least from that line, not disappear. Well, I think the bigger key for them is to gain momentum like they did last year. You know, they are showing up in the score sheet this year. Mm-hmm. Bryce Brodzinski is up there in the team lead in points. He's he's right there. They're sure, generating but like, offense. But then you had Nevers going the other way. Well, Nevers has been recovering from his concussion pretty much all season. And he mentioned that, you know, after the CC series, it's the first time he's felt in good enough shape to compete in a close game. And he said there's stages, you know, there's practice shape, there's game shape, and there's close game shape. And he finally feels like his head is clear enough to be in game, close game shape. And they need that. And I think Bob is trying to help him along. I don't know if people noticed on Saturday, he and Brodzinski flipped wings so that Nevers could be on his forehand side and Brodzinski had to go on his off wing side. And the reason Bob said they did that was to try to help them get out of the zone because Nevers was probably having a little bit of tricky, uh, tough times handling pucks on his off wing. And by putting Brodzinski in that situation, he's a little bit bigger and heavier player. He should be able to handle the contact and, and advance the puck forward. So they're hoping to make the game easier for Nevers. So I think it's still a work in progress with that line. Yes. But I don't think they need to be a dominant scoring line. I think they no, just I, need to be I, a momentum yeah. line and, and play tough matchups. Yeah, I agree. And I'd like to see a little more physicality out of Nelson. I mean, he's such a big kid. I mean, just I've always thought Nelson would be, not would be, but could be more of a nice player. Bear with me where he protects the puck so well. Nice did it with strength, and he was kind of he was not overly huge, but Nels could really do it with strength and size, protect the puck. Um, I, I just want to see a little more out of that. That's just me. You, yeah, you'd like to see him be a little bit more of a bully on puck possession and puck battles. Yeah. Because that was something that Matt Nyes was really good at. You know, I was listening to uh, Drew Cove and Nate Wells this week, and they were talking about how when Nelson was a freshman, he took so many penalties from hits <laughs> that he was delivering because he's so big, you know, yes. every time he, he makes contact. But figuring out how to be physical in puck battles and puck possession and board battles, that's a different skill than delivering mm-hmm. big hits. And I do think that there is room in his game for that to develop. And it's something he probably has to do if he wants to be a professional. You know, I think that took Nick Bukestad a long time to figure out that sometimes you have to be a little bit of a jerk on the ice and, mm-hmm. and bully people with your size. And I think it's it's hard for that big player to realize being physical isn't making big hits all the time. Mm-hmm. It's being tough to play against. But all in all, very successful weekend, Viggs. They moved up to number nine in the pairwise. I, they, I believe they're still there. Um so that's good because they had been hanging around that 12 and 11 mark. So it, it it's it, it's really key to get up there because obviously we've got some huge games coming up and it's going to be important. Yeah, I think the one thing I didn't love out of the weekend was the penalty kill. You know, especially in the Friday night game, they gave up two power play goals to Ohio State. You know, that I know they'd worked really hard on it. <laughs> 
all week trying to get ready for Stephen Holiday and an Ohio State power play that was good, and they gave up two on Friday. You know, sometimes losing track of Holiday, you know, that's something they're going to need to really focus on going forward. Is you know, understand what they need to do against their opponent a little bit more and make sure they're aware of where the dangerous guys are on the ice. Well, I want to get into one of our sponsors here, Viggs. And let me tell you, I wasn't a very warm late location last week. It was mid eighties every day. Felt like 93, 94. And let me tell you, my chill boys came in extremely. They just, was it life-changing? Was it life-changing comfort? I don't know if it was life-changing, but it sure made the hot and humidity feel a lot better. Well, you know, if you're looking for something life-changing, maybe you got to go with a different option of the Chill Boys. You know, maybe the bamboo boxer briefs aren't what you're looking for. Maybe That's you want what I've got. Maybe boxers. I do need to switch it up. Maybe need to yeah, switch it up. Yeah, maybe a little more room and comfort with the bamboo boxers, or maybe you want to tighten things up with some performance boxers. So, you know, they've got three options now. Check them out. Visit chillboys.com. Use pull dab 15 for 15% off. Comfort where it counts. Definitely comfort where I can. I can definitely vouch for that. And then, of course, Viggs, we've got Cub. Um, Barbara's just at Cub on her way back from work today. It was uh, nice to have uh, some fresh fruit in our house. I'll tell you that. There you go. Cub's got great produce. You know, they're one of us, Minnesota company. They're on the pull tab sports wagon. Uh, they're on PJ Flex headset. They sponsor the Wild on Seven podcast, and they're in one of your neighborhoods for great food and beverage needs. You know, if you're eating healthy, you know January, and you're looking for that fruit and produce, Cubs a great spot. If you're looking for the fresh milk, Cubs got the freshest milk. And if you need some uh, THC because you're going on dry January and you want something else, check out one of their wine and spirits store. But uh, everything you need, one of us, Cub. And we also gotta gotta thank Cub and Chill Boys for being sponsors of the GPL podcast. Um, we talked a little bit about Schlossman's article on what he would like to see with the NCAA tournament. We had Adam Wodan kind of do his rebuttal on that this week, Viggs. Give me your thoughts on Wodan's rebuttal. I think it's tough that a guy like Adam chooses to go right after the pairwise is saying it's great for setting the field for the tournament, but it's not great for seeding the tournament. And I think we all understand that it's not going to be a perfect solution. That was one of the things that just got me right away because a lot of people say, I like pairwise because I know what I have to do to get in the tournament. You know, Bob was talking about this week. He's like, we got to get some wins. You know, we've we've put ourselves in not the best position the first half because we've been growing as a program. Second half, we've got work to do because the mathematical formula doesn't take uh, passengers along. You got to earn it. So I think that was an interesting take. The other thing he talked about was, you know, the teams who are the three and four seeds who are getting home ice advantages. He thought maybe one way to change that is, well, you can only do that if you're a one or two seed. (laughs) Okay. We're already having trouble getting bids for tournament regions out west. Now, if you're the one or two seed, you're going to get your home seed because you're the host. But if you're a three, four, you got to go somewhere else and your fans are going to go somewhere else. Could you imagine North Dakota being a three or four seed, having a regional Fargo and having go to Manchester? 
that would be insane. And then I think those North Dakota fans out of spite might not resell their tickets because they would much rather be in Fargo or mm -hmm. Sioux Falls. So those I thought were some disingenuous arguments from him just to make a point. And so that's that's frustrating because I think in his ear big. Someone's saying, oh, let's can we get this out there? He is a Mark Schaefer uh, disciple. And I get Schaefer, you know, with Cornell, they came to the Mariucci Regional and they got smoked. And that leaves a bad taste in your mouth. But it's I don't think an overtime in one of those. Yeah. But but I don't think that should really like shape your argument for all of college sports. You know, I'm looking at this from the big picture. What's best for the game? Mm -hmm. And what's best for the game is these campus sites in the first and second round. And <laughs> I, I just think that it's the best thing going forward. You know, you talk about growing the game. I think providing great atmospheres at the eight home sites is the way to do that. Not try to put it in St. Louis or Loveland or rotate it between Omaha, Sioux Falls, and Fargo every year. I just don't think it's a good thing, especially out West. And we've got so many Eastern coaches that are just looking at it from a selfish point of view because mm -hmm. they don't have the problems that we have out West. There's lots of AHL buildings out East and they probably want to keep it that way. But then, you know, you have so many times where like a number four Providence will play number one Mankato, Minnesota State, uh, basically in their own backyard. I'm like, well, Man, Kato gets the overall number one seed and they have to go out there or, you know, there's things like that. Or, you know, Mankato being at home against Providence. Yeah. Usually I think what's happening is you're having these Western teams having to go out to these Eastern regionals and play home teams. You just don't seem to have that out West because there's only one regional. So there's typically going to be a Western team that's going to be in the top four and that's where they're going. And so you don't have these Eastern teams that are having to do the same situation that so many Western teams have to do all the time. Uh, I and, mean, just look, you look at it, Minnesota, when they went out East a couple seasons ago, they had to play Western Michigan right off the bat in front of nobody. Western Michigan coming to Minnesota. And you have that same game where Minnesota has got to come back and, you know, Ben Myers wins it in overtime and five people cheer there and compared to nine, 10,000 here. Or heck if it's reversed and Minnesota has to go to Western, that's a great, yes. that's a great atmosphere there too. And I'm sure the players would love that. Yes. You know, I think a lot of fans would love to go to these games. And I think a lot of players almost enjoy sometimes being the villain and it's hard to be the villain when it's an empty building. That is true. Um, you know, so we were, you, me, and Cap, you were all kind of chatting this week and kind of talking about that. And he, he brought up something that someone had told him. So I've been putting it out there that the Maryland Heights Regional this year, Maryland Heights, Missouri, just outside of Kansas City, that building, he learned, only holds 2,500 people, Vigs. So they're going to sell some. Are they going to allocate, what, 500 tickets per four teams, 250 tickets? I mean, typically it's 500 a team. So there's going to be 500 tickets available for Lindenwood and the local people to grow the game. Oh, yeah, Bobby. He said, I said near Kansas, yes, near St. Louis. That's my mistake on that one. Um, but a an Alder, why, why don't we just go to Aldridge Arena? I mean, <laughs> 
it's it's basically. I mean, I know you know, you know, Braemar is over two thousand. Bloomington Ice Garden is two thousand. I mean, what are they thinking here? Well, they're thinking that they don't want to be in Fargo or Sioux Falls, giving it to North Dakota every single year, because that's the school that's but, bidding. But they're in Sioux Falls this year too. There aren't enough bids out west. There just aren't. You know, Denver put together that Loveland bid, and they got one. You know, it's probably not a great, great setup, but just, you know, they were the only ones that did it other than North Dakota, so they got it. You know, you have a lot of these schools, they just don't want to risk the $100,000 guarantee to the NCAA on top of the $280,000 it takes to put on a regional. And on top of that, you need 100 volunteers to staff a regional. So it's not just like an easy thing for a school to pick up. You know, you've got schools like Duluth and Mankato that are kind of cutting their administrative staff. And then you expect them to put on an event like this in Sioux Falls or, you know, in Fargo or something. It's just not going to happen for them. You have to have a big enough university that can take on and staff one of these events. And uh, there's just not enough of them out West that are willing to take that risk. You know, you've got St. Cloud, you know, their whole school is kind of on a cliff right yeah. now of fiscal issues. Yes. You you want them to try to host a regional on top of that? So maybe they should go back to home rinks. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. You know, I, I asked Bob about it today and he kind of threw his hands up and he's like, hey, I just want to make the tournament. I'm not going to get involved mm-hmm. campaigning one way or the other. I I get that from his perspective. You know, he's lived it at Minnesota. He's lived it at St. Cloud. He's been in great regionals. He's been in bad ones. He's heard all the arguments from all the coaches. I do think this is going to be a tough sell in Naples, but I just think it's for selfish reasons. You know, there's, there's other options they could do, but, you know, the Western regionals are a problem. East isn't so bad. And, uh, It'd be a lot better for the game. Unless there's Western teams playing in it. Um, I wish I might be just a project. Let's just look at last year's tournament. What would, who would have hosted who? And then see who, I mean, it would just, and, and like you said, if you're filling, I mean, yeah, you might not be filling up huge arenas, but you go to North Dakota, that's what, 12,000? You're going to the Kohl Center. It's the same thing. You could fill these places up. You've got, I mean, e- even Ohio State's got a gigantic arena and and things like that. I mean, the, you could make, make a lot more money off of you know, $20 tickets filling a Mariucci than you will Maryland Heights, Missouri. Well, Mike Cross from Penn State did the analysis on his own. And he's like, the NCAA hockey will make an extra $2 million by moving to these home ranks. And I think right now the distribution for each school for hockey is like 60,000. You know, if they do this, that goes up to 120,000, you know, it's, it's a significant difference for some of these smaller schools. You know, if you're one of those Atlantic hockey schools where you're only going to get to go to one of these games, you know, once every five or six years anyway, would you rather get an extra $600,000 in your program over that time? Or did you want to play in an empty neutral site building for that one chance to maybe get to the second round? It's just goofy, Viggs. I, I, I could, 
Uh, but, you know, Wodan's like, well, what about, you know, the eight and nine seeds and, you know, maybe the seven and, you know, the seven and ten seeds and things like that. Like you said, you know where you're at. Hey, and you I'm fine, too, if you have the pairwise to say who gets in the tournament and then you have a committee, match them up and just disregard the math. What, you know, I'm fine with that, too. Put them in a smoky room and figure out who's the eight seed <laughs> or the nine seed. I'm fine with that, too. I, you know, I think they still want to avoid the conference matchups in the first round and move the seeds around, but just do it the way they've always done it. You know, if you're the top four, yeah. you're a one seed. If you're five yeah. through eight, you're a two seed, you know, and so forth. Basically, if you're one or two seed, you're a home team. Yep. And, you know, and you're set in, you know, I guess they could have some set brackets then, Viggs. Because let's say, okay, let's say uh, a team, let's say, get the the one and two of, of a bracket gets upset. Well, then it's going to be at the third seed. We've seen three and four teams, the three and four ranked teams, get to a regional final. I mean, who would have thought that? So there's yeah, I mean, we've seen Bemidji get to a frozen three four. Seeds. There's yeah. potential for three seeds who are you know, you know, nine, ten, eleven, and twelve ranking in the pairwise could host a game if the the way the chips fall. I don't know. I just hope we keep this conversation going yes. through April and we hear for <laughs> from some more Eastern coaches. Cause you know, I've, I've heard CHN, I've heard Brad, you know, I've talked to coach Motsko. We've heard David Carl. I just want to hear some more Eastern coaches and their perspective on the issue, because yeah. really they're going to be the ones that either make this possible or the ones that shut it down. Cause I think the Western coaches are pretty united in voting for this. And, and trying the campus sites and just see how it goes. But those Eastern coaches been pretty quiet on the issue. And I would like to hear from them and their reasons one way or the other. Let's get some of those hockey East teams on board. I mean, think about it. How about a game up in Maine this year? Since Maine is kind of back, is, is back this year. How about a home game? Yeah, I mean, this is, this is great for Maine. It's, it's great for, Quinnipiac, you know, if Cornell gets going and they get in the top eight, they'll have a home ice game too. It could be good for them. Yeah. It's just an interesting topic. And then when I saw the 2,500 seat arena, I'm like, oh boy. Can you imagine they, if like a Minnesota and a Michigan or something like that gets sent to that regional? I mean, good luck getting into it. Gonna be watching most of us will be watching to me. Maybe we could cover it. That would get us in the arena, but fans are gonna be out of luck for that regional. And you're uh, not gonna see Excel get back in the cycle. Big arenas, no. It's, it's I think it's seventy five thousand dollars a day in cost for the facility, and you need it for at least four days. So that's three hundred thousand there. So that right there makes it more expensive than the average cost of any other regional, just with the ice facilities. You know, you're not looking at all the other things on top. Excel doesn't want to give up the additional dates at this point, and Minnesota doesn't want to take the risk. You know, it looks pretty good that Minnesota is going to be a tournament team going forward, but you know, you can never control the matchups either. 
All right. Well, it's an interesting tub subject, and we'll just, like I said, we'll keep talking about it, and then let's, you know, when even if Gophers, let's say Gophers don't make it to the Frozen Four Vegs, let's get to, the, let's get some credentials, let's get in there, and let's talk to those coaches that will be at the Frozen Four. Let's get their thoughts on it. For sure. Definitely for sure. Well, we need to hear a little bit more from our sponsors. Are you tired of the same old fundraisers? Paying $15 for a stale bag of popcorn, chocolate candy bars melting in your car, and more frozen pizzas than you have freezer space. Introducing Ferta Fundraisers, a fundraising company with as much personality as the people who play the game. Lift big, throw gas, fingers. Yeah. Big dump for the boys. Choose from great products made by local companies, flexible plans built around your needs. Sell how you want and be supported from start to finish. Deliver max return without charging people a fortune. It's never been easier to support your community. Ignite your fundraising with FURTA Fundraisers. FURTA Boys, FURTA Girls, FURTA Community, FURTA Fundraisers. Jake Middleton here, Director of Hair and Hygiene for the Minnesota Wild. How did I get this important role with the team, you ask? I'd like to think it was because of hard work, but the truth is, I run hot. Yep, I'm a sweater. In my role as Director of Hair and Hygiene, I'm sort of like a player coach. Let me pull out the grease board here. Well, it's not actually a grease board, because there is nothing dirty about Duke Cannon. How do I help the guys stay squeaky clean? Helpful reminders. It's simple. Tarps off, do cannon on. Say it with me. Tarps off, do cannon on. Tarps off, do cannon on. Pick the scent that suits you. Sawtooth. Thick body wash. Extra thick. And my favorite, midnight swim. Tarps off, do cannon on. Do cannon. Work harder, smell better. And of course, we thank Ferta Fundraisers and Duke Cannon for sponsoring the GPL podcast. I was telling Viggs in the pregame show, nothing but Duke Cannon the entire trip in Dominican. So it worked just perfectly in that completely tropical weather. So great stuff. Stay tuned. We we're talking about having some giveaways at home oh. games down the stretch here for the Gophers. So, you know, follow us on. Uh, the social media platforms and, and look for us around the rink. Definitely something, a good reminder there, Viggs. All right. Now, Viggs, heading to Michigan State. Um, technically, Minnesota has not lost in 16 straight games to Michigan State. I believe it was 14 wins in a row. And then, oh, is it a, what, didn't they split here earlier this year or is, it was it something like that? Yeah. I think Bring it was- up. Bring it up on your phone. Let's see what it was here. Here's the shootout loss. Yes. So. Three three tie with a shootout loss and a six to five victory in overtime. over Minnesota. So overtime games. Yes. So haven't lost a regular well, technically haven't lost per the NCAA rules and in pairwise in 16 games. I don't know if that's going to continue this weekend, but we know Michigan State has such They've such turned it around this season, Viggs. We kind of saw it coming last year when they kind of started off hot and then they cooled off. But they've started off hot this year, and they've continued to be hot. Um, Boy, Nightingale is just doing a fantabulous job there. 
Well, he definitely knocked out of the park in the portal with Joey Larson, mm-hmm. Reg Savage, and Isaac Hauser, Howard. You know, they've got three of their top scorers that came out of the portal. It's like going into the deck and drawing out three aces. You know, we saw the flip side of that with Ohio State. They go in the portal and, you know, maybe they draw out like a five, a six, and a deuce or something. Adam Nightingale didn't have that happen to him. And I watched condensed games of their matchup with Michigan, and Sparty is dangerous. Even in the game they lost, I thought the first five minutes they came out with really good jump, really good energy. They were on their toes. They were jumping pucks. But then, you know, like we've seen with Michigan State and Michigan, there are just these egregious turnovers, and they're giving away goals. So I think that's something. I like that, that Biggs. I like that. We've seen that happen with Minnesota, too. You have these players who are just so focused on pulling off the move or winning the one-on-one battle or flashing the skill, and they make a risky play in a a low-reward situation, and they give offense the other way. So I think that's really something that when you play the more experienced teams like Minnesota maybe is becoming, it becomes a dangerous situation for Michigan State because they so badly want to make their mark in a weekend that they give away goals and they can't quite outscore their mistakes. Well, we kind of, we touched, we touched on a little bit earlier. Um, yes, they're kind of a high flying team, but uh, I think some GPLers even took out some love of the penalties that were taken last weekend against Michigan, which natural rival going to be more penalties. They're still a very undisciplined team when it comes to penalties. They're still taking a lot. Um, I think to get o- to get over the ultimate hump, they need to kind of cut that in half a lot. That's somewhere where Minnesota could take advantage of is the power play because they know they're going to get quite a few. I I do think some of the penalty stuff of the Michigan Michigan State series is blown out of proportion. Some of that's just a ref saying, "Let's just get to the end of the game and give guys <laughs> two and tens. So all those penalty minutes, you know, is a lot of uh, hugging and face washing. It wasn't yeah. real violent wasn't like 1970s college hockey where things got totally out of control all the time as Pat McLitty is familiar with. So that said, Minnesota's power play, I think, needs to continue to evolve. You know, I think mm-hmm. we've seen them get pretty static at times in their positioning. Mm-hmm. You're seeing some of that change. I really like it when they move to that low spread, when they put Snuggerud and Pitlick down along the goal line and and change where players are and just kind of confuse the penalty kill for the other team. I know Ohio State did that to Minnesota on Friday when they are moving Holiday around. So that's something I'm still looking for in that power play unit, but it's going to be important. You know, Minnesota did get some power play goals. Uh, That needs to continue to happen for them to be successful. You know, I, I think one of the keys this weekend is going to be defense. Um, when it's high flying, you need to have disciplined defensemen who don't, who make the right choices at the right time. When to jump in, when not to jump in. You know, we've seen Renzel jump in a little too much at times, but he's gotten a little smarter with it. This is where you need the leadership of somebody like a Kester to play well himself, but also get guys, hey, play smart here. You know, we don't need that extra guy up there and get counterattacked and not have enough guys back. So I think defense is going to be huge in a high-flying type of series. The flip side of that is I think Minnesota's defensemen can be 
extra dangerous if they get involved in the offensive zone for loose pucks. Okay. We saw that a little bit with Middlestat, Thomas, and Renzel and Chesley this past weekend where they were jumping on pucks around the hash marks as the other team gets tired and starts throwing the puck around. That's the time if you know your shift discipline and you know who you're out against and you have that awareness, that's a time to jump a puck, maintain possession, and continue to apply pressure on the other team. The thing that I notice when they do that, though, is they have a Jackson Nelson or an Aaron Hewlin who sees it happening and knows to cover back. And you know that other defensemen can slide over to give support. So you still have two, three players above the puck. That's critical team hockey that Minnesota has the ability to play. And I want to see them continue to do that. Play smart. Because when they do that, they are one of the most dangerous teams in college hockey. Because one of the things Minnesota defensemen do is skate well. And so if you can involve them in offensive possession, it's only going to lead to more opportunities and more danger and more chaos. What does Michigan State need to do? So any, do they I, need to do anything different to be successful? I, because yeah, they still haven't gotten a regular season win. Maybe it's still a little bit in their heads. Because some of those guys have been there a while. What do they need to be do to be successful? Well, I think they be need to be more mature in front of their own goal. One of the things that Michigan really did to them was put traffic and pressure and pucks around the crease. And Augustine seemed to struggle with that. You know, he didn't have clear looks, looks at the shut shooters. He had trouble with rebounds. A lot of Michigan State guys were, you know, looking at the puck, not picking up their checks. Uh, Michigan State's got young defense, just like Minnesota. They've got, I think, four or five, you know, freshman defensemen. Minnesota needs to really challenge them around the net and play, you know, <laughs> big boy hockey. And, and play physical and engage those battles. Cause I think Michigan state maybe struggles at times there. So it's an ap- opportunity for Minnesota and probably a weakness that Michigan state has to rectify because you can't compete down the stretch here, unless you can be strong in front of your own net. And I don't care how good your goalie is. If he can't see the puck and there's loose rebounds where free opponents can jump on them, you're going to have a hard time being successful. All right. What happens this weekend? I mean, the logical old school Lucia would say sweep at home, split on the road. Split on the road is a successful weekend. What do you think? I know the speed limit's going up from playing Colorado College, Robert Morris, Ohio State to Michigan State. But the way Minnesota played these last three weeks, makes me think that they are maturing and getting better and they're ready for this kind of matchup and watching Michigan state play that rivalry series home and home with Michigan exposed a lot of question marks I have with their team. So I think six points for the Gophers on the road. Wow. I like that Vegs. That's bold. It's not bold for me, but that's bold from you. It's very bold for, for me. I usually don't pick them to do well on the road, but I just think we're seeing this maturity and this growth, and I think it's going to be a great matchup for Minnesota. Just looking at the standings here. Let me see. 
Well, yeah, they're 10 points behind Michigan State right now. You sweep them, you're within four. So Wisconsin still has the the edge, though, since they're at 30 points and, and only they have two games in hand on Michigan State. Uh, Notre Dame's just one point up on Minnesota, but it has played two more games. I mean, you look at Notre Dame's played 16, Wisconsin 12. It's kind of interesting, you know. Same thing with Michigan. They've only played 12 games as well. So I'm, I have a feeling that, you know, Notre Dame's going to kind of drop here in the next few weeks as, you know, both Minnesota and Michigan kind of catch up with them in games. Yeah, I, I think we're going to see Notre Dame, Penn State, Ohio State kind of drop down in mm-hmm. pairwise on the standings. I think you're going to see Michigan, Minnesota rise up in the pairwise. And I, I think you're going to see Michigan State kind of drift with Minnesota back and forth. Okay. All right. I'm thinking more split this weekend. I'm not as bold as you. I'm still, I, well, I haven't seen as many games. I tried, you know, I watched some of the, the second Ohio State game when I got home, but I was just distracted and a bit. So I, it'll be nice just to kind of sit down this weekend and watch, watch the games. And there's one thing Friday night, BTN plus only, folks. So if you're, if you're not on the, or, yeah, B, it's B1G plus, I guess it is. If you don't have that program, you'll be listening on the radio or Frank and Doug over the stream because there is no regular TV. And that's a 5 p.m. game Saturday, uh, uh, Big Ten Network, I believe. 3 p.m. o'clock and 3 o'clock early. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be a quick turnaround. It is, but let's go. Um, people complain about, oh, I, someone's like, I pay $180 in TV each month. I'm like, why are you paying so much? Are you doing that just to, so you can get Bally Sports or what? I, it's just, I don't know, just different priorities, I guess, Biggs. And, you know, we all make choices. You and I have been preaching for years. Get on board, folks. Get on board with the streaming because it's coming and it's going to be more prevalent. And I, I believe, is there a Penn State? We got a, another game that's just back to my schedule again. I guess see it here. <laughs> uh, let me see what we got here. It was a pre-show, everyone. We didn't we didn't break down the way I look at TV schedules. Well, I, I I usually don't, you know. So it's like be stream only here. It was Wisconsin next weekend. Both that'll games. be a big series. That'll be both a big series. Games. Both games. B B1G plus gotta have the stream next weekend. That is weird. But there's no TV for that. Well, some of this is on the host schools investing yes. in the TV production. We talked about yes. that way early in the year. Minnesota's obviously made it a priority to have a high quality production crew working at their sites. Other schools, not so much. So We'll see. Um, and then we'll have the Peacock for the Notre Dame series. Yep. Exactly. Another, another I, the Peacock's one. done a great job. I whenever I do it, I just I do it for the I just you get the one month for like four ninety nine or five bucks. Pretty affordable. Yeah. Yeah. You for the one month and then catch up on whatever Peacock TV shows that are streamed only and get rid of it after a month. It's 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 well worth it, bees. Yeah. So big weekend coming up. Looking forward to it. I love the early games. It allows me to go out, 
after the game on Friday, allows me to go out after the game on Saturday, maybe have a few beverages, cause a little trouble, who knows, but it's all good. It's crunch time, Viggs. There's no doubt about it. It is crunch time. Minnesota needs to start winning, needs to start showing that they can be the team we thought they could be. And I could sense Bob's feeling good about his team. I put a quote on Twitter here before the show where, you know, Nightingale's done a nice job with his team. He's he's done a good job in the portal and he's got some good returning players. And you know, but we're we're a different team than we were when we played him last time. And uh, you know, I I feel like we did pretty well in that series too. So we'll we'll see Bob how it goes. This gone, yeah, they're a nice little team. They got a cute little team. <laughs> they got some cute little transfers that, that flash a little bit, but you know. Yeah. We don't have any transfers on this roster. You know. Anything in the hopper? I know you got something in the hopper, don't you? I, I probably got too much in the hopper. I've been busy with the, the, the youth hockey world the last couple of weeks, so it's been yeah. busy. But I've got stuff in the hopper. It's coming. I'm working with us show for something coming up, too. Oh, really? Oh, so, yeah. So that'll be fun. Who are you so working stay with tuned. Well, You'll see. He won't even tell me. He's so I won't even tell you. I got, I got so zipped. Secret. Tight with my sources. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for this episode of the GPL podcast. We'll be back next week to recap the MSU series. And we're going to Madison the week after that. So I'll have Todd Molesky on next week as well. For those of you watching live, stay tuned for overtime. For the rest of you, we'll catch you next week on the GPL podcast.